Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing, so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. I have this utopian view about onboarding and I call it D minus 30. If you make the assumption that somebody's going to accept a job, let's just say we shook hands on me joining your business, Jürgen, then I might have a 30-day notice period that I need to serve. Wouldn't it be a great idea if you were able, when we shake hands, that you actually provided me with a logon to your onboarding environment and your sales playbook, digitized, so that you've got digital access to all that material? I actually did this with a client recently. We onboarded two new sales development reps and we actually tested them on the day that they walked in the office. We actually tested them on the sales playbook. And if you think about that, how much of an advantage they've got and how engaged they are with the organisation. We bought ourselves a free month, basically, of onboarding. Welcome back. I hope your week's been just awesome so far. I'm really excited today to bring on to the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Matt Garman, the CEO and founder of Sales Plus Profit, a successful sales consultancy that helps businesses achieve their true potential by implementing his sustainable sales system. Matt is also the creator of Sales Enabler, the first dynamic sales playbook. And he's the author of Learning the Ropes, Achieving Sustainable Sales Performance Regardless of Changes in Personnel. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, the InnovaBuzz podcast, then go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift that my team and I made for you. A short audio book that walks you through every single step of the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. In our conversation, Matt talked to me about why the average time a salesperson stays with a company is only 19 months and why that results in less than 10 months of productive time. We talked about creating consistency, sustainability and continued success in your sales through a defined playbook. And we talked about balancing processes and systems with human connection and individual contribution. 
Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Matt Garman. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from Innova Biz and I'm really excited to welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast today all the way from Brighton Hove in the UK, Matt Garman who's a sales enablement specialist. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Matt. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Hi Jürgen, hi. Now, Mel Blackmore, who was our guest on episode 489 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Matt. So, a big hello to Mel. Yeah, she's um, she's uh, Mel's Mel's a great client. I've been working with uh, Blackmore's for about a year or so. Uh, very, very uh, ambitious business, doing some great things in the certification space. And uh, yeah, I've been I've been working with it with with Mel and the team for about a year or so now, trying to help them scale and develop a, uh, a sales function beyond just being the founder. So, uh, all, you know, at the moment, everything's been reliant on her and now we're building a function that goes beyond her and it's, it's a topical, it's a fairly typical thing I get involved in. Mm, mm, that's fascinating. And I know you work with businesses to find consistency in the sales function. And I, I know also that a lot of that is around process and that's something that Mel is also very strong on. So there's a good fit there. And there's some other parts to your, um, your bow or the feathers in your, your bow, so to speak. And that's, um, being a part-time adventurer. So we might touch on some of the exciting things happening later in the year on that side. But before we start talking about all things sales and, and the other fun stuff, what's the impact you're making in the world, Matt? God, didn't think you'd ask a question like that. I, I think um, fundamentally, from <laughs> from a from a business perspective, um, I've um, we'll touch maybe go into it a little bit more detail. I kind of like many people, I stumbled into sales, um, but uh, maybe in terms of impact at the moment, I think that I I have this I have this deep belief that the way that we recruit on board. And, uh, and integrate sales resources, particularly new sales resources into businesses. I, I have this deep belief that it's fundamentally broken. And the reason, the reason for that is just high cost of, high cost of overhead, high cost of onboarding. We've got talent wars going on. I don't know what it's like in Australia, but we've got talent wars in the UK. And, and I just mm. believe that we far too often we set salespeople up to fail as opposed to succeed. And I'm quite passionate about about doing a better job about that. Mm. Yeah, I, I suspect that's not just true of salespeople, but I guess given that's your area of specialty, that's, that's where you can make a difference, right? So what are, what are some of the failings you see and, and how, do you, how are you addressing them? Yeah, so I have this. Uh, so we got this. Um, I think uh, I, again. I, I mean, I, I say I, I stumbled into sales, but the one thing that happened in my uh, and my sales at the time was an induction in in, in around the nineteen ninety. In and my induction into sales was selling life insurance. But the really important thing is that it, it came with twelve, and I didn't really appreciate it at the time. But it it at the time I thought this is a bit <laughs> strung out. 
but it came with 12 weeks worth of training. And, um, and anyway, and I was, and, and so 12 weeks, and then that was actually a commission only job. It didn't even have any salary. And yet we, they invested in 12 weeks of training with us. And, and I was speaking at an event earlier on in the year. And, and, and obviously this whole thing about induction, immersion and onboarding, uh, I'm very passionate about. And, and I suggested to the audience that was mostly CEOs that we've shortcut, we try to shortcut too many things in our life. And, um, and, and particularly in our business, we try to get faster and faster before actually laying down the foundations. And, and I actually suggested that there may be some sales resources that are working for some of those CEOs that maybe haven't had 12 weeks of sales training in their careers, let alone in their induction and onboarding. And, mm. um, and yeah, unfortunately, uh, I, can, I say I can only speak for sales, but uh, unfortunately, we, um, because somebody seems to have had a sales role before or, or we just assume that people can absorb all the information necessary for a um, for within a sale to sell on behalf of an organization we just it's like we, we just think it's going to happen through osmosis and uh, you know we sit somebody in a chair we maybe sit them next to somebody <laughs> yeah. we give them access to the CRM system we pretty much expect people to get on with it. And um, and I say I just think it's I just think it's I, I, it beggars belief, particularly with the the costs involved with uh, with with recruitment, senior management time, interviewing, all these sorts of things that we we then just rely on them, you know, hitting the road, you know, sticking or twisting sort of thing. And it's uh, that's one of the things I'm I'm, I'm passionate about trying to change. Hmm. All right. Well, what. Let's talk a bit more about your work specifically. So, how are you going about changing that? Well, I've been running a before before um, before I ran the sales consultancy. I was I, I grew ended up growing and selling two tech companies of my own. And one of the things we were we were really really good about, and one of the one of the things that the acquiring business were interested in is the structure and this disciplines that we've embedded in the business. So. Since that, since selling the second company, um, I've been working in sales consultancy for, uh, I think we've, we've worked since, since, since the end of 2012. So, and we've worked with over, um, about, we're up to about 120 clients we've worked with. And what's really interesting is so many of those organizations say to me that they've got sales challenges that maybe, I don't know, they, they, they don't do enough training. Um, they don't have consistency amongst the sales resources. So somebody's always top of the charts and somebody's always dragging the, dragging up the bottom. Um, we never close what we forecast in the, in the pipeline, you know, and, and probably very poor qualification or discovery. And, and, and for me, I, I typically ask a client, um, and this date, this dates back to, this dates back to the life insurance days when we had a ring binder. Which we referred to as the playbook, <laughs> and I actually say to I say yeah. to clients, it's like, well, you've got challenges. Um, what's in the playbook? And you'd be amazed quite how often I just get blank faces. It's like, what do you mean a playbook? And um, and it's like I kind mm -hmm. of the way I ex give an example is like, well, if you had um, a project manager in your organisation, you know, they would probably have undergone some sort of Prince Two methodology training or. If it was manufacturing, they would go through some MRP. There'd be a process, and even 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 accounting and bookkeeping. There's a double entry, so there's a there's a tried and tested way of doing things. And 
and it just it's just we we seem to um we seem to have this um hire and fire mentality when it comes to sales resources uh, because we think we have this this mindset quite often that it's a transient position oh i'll just go and hire a sales resource um and, and, and don't get me wrong i think maybe some sort of previous um unscrupulous salespeople in the past in the 80s style of selling may have may have influenced that i don't, I don't know but um but yeah we seem to we seem to position <laughs> yeah, yeah. it as a little bit of a transient role and, and and therefore it doesn't necessarily get the investment on quite a lot of within quite a lot of organizations that it needs to hmm. yeah and one one of the things also in in that kind of situation is particularly for bigger companies they have a sales team and and so each person on that sales team has their own way of doing things so there's no kind of coordinated approach and if somebody's working with a customer and and for some reason another salesperson spends some time working with that customer whether it's to cover them on holidays or illness then all of a sudden the customer's thoroughly confused because no this is not the way we've been doing it yeah well it's interesting it's a very very good point you make Jürgen. i think one of the um I, I i'm not just uh, just to be clear i'm not i'm not i'm not for turning sales people i'm not i'm not for turning individuals into daleks i'm i'm you know i want I, i'm very much yeah. uh, you know i want to i want to see people's personality and 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 um personality and styles i want to see those develop but i do believe that it need you know there, there are there are some fundamentals and there are some ways that you know all organizations um you know this is the way that we do stuff you know these are the these uh, as an, a classic example of um of 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 when I I you know it's like well I was I was with, out with a salesperson probably about probably about three four months ago and I thought we were going with this with this salesperson for a closing meeting and uh, to 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 close a piece of business and um and the the client quite legitimately and quite rightly came back with some objections as to you know for what about this what about that. And it was surprising how much that particular sales resource floundered. And when we came back, we actually were, okay, so we, we ended up walking away with the order, which was great. But in the car, we were, we were actually going through the reflection phase of it. And I said, well, there were some objections coming up there and you didn't have particularly robust responses to them. Now, the chances are, yeah, there's always some rejection, there's always, you know, cost, time capacity you know there's there's always mm. there's always the same you know there's always some fairly typical responses that come back from prospects or prospective buyers and one of the things it's like well why don't we do, why don't we why don't we understand what these are digest them come up with high quality robust responses that hopefully further engage the prospects as a or customers as opposed to just you know it's it's not good enough these days to just turn around and say well we're nicer than the competition. We're better than the competition. We have to have something a lot more rigorous and a lot more robust. And 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 and, and when I talk about when I talk about a playbook, you know, I, I expect I expect people to be able to uh, to to uh, to operate in a cohesive way. And and the other thing is that you know when you've got people that are top of the charts and some people that maybe not quite performing, I have this this mindset. It's like well, we may not be able to 
we may not be able to uh, replicate the top performer in terms of personality and style or charisma. But what we can do is we should be able to model the masters as in copy the, the, the disciplines that that person does or those people do and copy the, the robustness of their responses, the robustness of their questioning and, and basically build, and which is going back to what I do most of the day job, is help a client, help a, a, an organisation build a playbook that represents the best and most cohesive version of, you know, of, of them in terms of sales capability. And that's, and that's really, really... And then, obviously, just what that fuels then is it fuels the new, 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 new resources when they come into the organisation because we've got something substantial to work with as opposed to, I'll oh, just go and sit there and, 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 and hopefully learn from them. Because obviously, so much of what we can do within a sales function can be disciplined, can, can be disciplined, and it can be repetitive. Yeah, yeah. And then you have all that documented, which can be the basis of, of the training program, the onboarding program. Totally. And, and, and um, I have this other, I don't know whether it's a little bit of a utopian view, but um, I was looking at some, um, you know, some statistics that was coming out of the States. I'm, I'm quite... I read quite a lot about sales in general, and you know the um, some of the reports that I were re was reading that you know the average tenure of a sales senior sales resource these days is 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 nineteen months, and it's been falling. It's actually stabilised at the moment, but it's actually been falling yeah. for quite some time. But if you say nineteen, if you said nineteen months, and I, I know some people that they've never not been in one role for nineteen months, but anyway, that's those were the numbers that I was presented with. And interestingly, the same, interestingly, the same, um, the same report, um, sorry, the same, uh, same author and the same, same outlet, um, a, a month or two later, they suggest they, they, they had a poll that was about the, um, the ramp up time. So how long does it take for a net new sales resource to be useful? Now, I don't mean necessarily me, mean being paid back all the original investment. But actually contributing to the figures, uh, and that the, the, they came up with a with a kind of nine to ten months, and this was a panel for I think it was about three thousand sales leaders. You know, they all kind of we got to about an average an average nine to ten months. So if you actually consider that, we've got a very very short window based on average turnover to actually start yeah. start you know getting these these things going. And and my view, I have this I have this uh, this probably utopian view about onboarding and I call it D minus 30. So, you know, if you, if you make the assumption that somebody's going to accept a job, you know, let's just say we shook hands and uh, we shook hands and, and uh, on, uh, on, on me joining your business, Jürgen, then, um, you know, I, I might have a one month, 30 day notice period that I need to serve. But wouldn't it be a great idea if you were able, when you off, when we shake hands, that you actually provided me with a log on to your onboarding environment and your sales playbook digitized so that you've got digital access to all that material. And I actually did this with a client recently. So, so we onboarded two new uh, sales development reps um, and we actually tested them on the day that they walked in the office. We actually tested them on the sales playbook. And if you think about that, how much of how, how, how um, 
how much of an advantage they've got and how engaged they are with the organisation. Mm. Not And also culturally, you know, some cultural alignments as well, so introducing to the manager and those sorts of things. But but so we've got a one month, you know, we've bought ourselves a free month, basically, of onboarding. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. what we do is we sit somebody down on a chair, we give them the CRM, we give them the log on, we ask them to make a few phone calls when they're happy. And then probably what happens in all too often in three or four months time, you know, Jürgen meets Matt in the corridor when it's quiet at the end of the day. And Jürgen says to Matt, do you know what, Matt? It's kind of not really working, is it? And all of that becomes just a big, big waste of time. And, um, and uh, yeah, and we go back to square one and we've probably, we've probably swept, I don't know, in the UK, we've probably swept £50,000 off of the, taking £50,000 off the P&L for, for that period of time. So to me, as I say, I said at the beginning, I just fundamentally think that the way that we've been going about things won't serve us in the future. Yeah, well, that that principle of D minus thirty, I think that's that's brilliant, and and it's not just to take advantage of that time to build the knowledge of the new person coming into the business. That and once they get into the business, they you know if they've taken the time to read and study that information, they they then might be in a position, if that's really good information, they might be in a position to start contributing from day one of their actual employment. It's actually psychologically, I think, really great because I imagine, and I've been in this position a couple of times where I've been given stuff where I've started a new job or I've been about to start a new job. I've had an offer. I've accepted the offer. I've had four weeks' notice. So during that four weeks' notice, of course, I'm switching off from the last thing, I can't wait to start this new thing. And now I've got all this stuff that they've given me already. So for me, that excitement of that new thing is building up and building up. So I'm, I'm ready, not just if I invest the time in learning those new things, I'm not just coming in with a, a knowledge base that's different to somebody walking in cold. I'm also coming in with the attitude of this is fantastic. I can't wait to start. You know, I've been waiting for four weeks to get in here and do something. We massively, massively underestimate the uh, the emotional involvement of a net new hire. Um, I'm not allowed. I'm not gonna, I've written a couple of books, and sorry, it's not a plug. But the second book I wrote, which is it's is actually called Why So Many Sales Hires Fail. And within there, I actually drew, I've drawn like a series of emojis about the emotional feelings of both the, the hiring <laughs> person, sorry, the, the sales manager or the hiring manager and the new recruit. And there is that emotional roller coaster. So imagine if you've, you know, you've, uh, and also, I, I mean, I speak to people on a regular basis and they've gone through the whole process. And believe it or not, sometimes the new hire just doesn't turn up. Um, and, and and it's 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 a it's a disconnect, and I think I think what I my, I have this belief that the onboarding starts the moment that somebody accepts the job, um, because that and unfortunately what what typically happens is that one month, you know that one month be, between between accepting the job, uh, let's just I mean it, it can be less, it can be more, but let's just say it's a month. That one month between accepting the job and mm. the day that you physically turn up on site, there's all sorts of emotions and thoughts are going on. 
you know, the, the, the incumbent employer may come back with a counter offer. Uh, there may be an alter another another mm. angle and stuff like that. So, so to me, it just makes perfect sense that you engage that person both um, academically, mentally within by by giving them access to your, your your tools, your methodology, your playbook. But also, I I you know I call it a buddy up. You know, make sure that you've got a buddy. They've got a buddy within the business that they can rely on. Go out for a coffee in the run up if you can, or a beer or something in the run up. Because you want that, though, you want those people to feel part of it, you know. And I know lots and lots of there's some amazing organisations these days that do some fantastic cultural change things and, and in, in engaging, and, and that's a that's a great thing. But you know, I just I just see that, and, and particularly with sales, it's like that that whole month, that whole month where it's like, you know, have I made the right decision? Is this right for me? You know, I've now got my partner, my other half. We all, you know, we've all got pressures, and we all live, live um, busy lives. Um, but there is, you know, there's that 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 piece there of 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 providing tools, information, wisdom, access. You know, and because because otherwise, what happens is the new new recruits. You don't see them in that period of time. They turn up on day one. And, um, you know, and, and, and then we're trying to absorb so much information in a short period of time. There's pressure to try and make some calls or try to create some sales activity. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, to me, it's just lost time. And I think it creates, it creates unnecessary pressure, both with the, with the new hire and also the manager, the, the, the managers as well, you know. Hmm. Yeah. And the other thing that, I think it, it brings about, and, and I remember this from my corporate time when I was hiring people and I wasn't doing this D minus 30, full confession. Um, what sometimes happened was that somebody would have their first day and then I needed to free up some time to spend with them and inevitably the week before or the day before they started, something would come up that kind of demanded my full attention. Yeah. So I was not in a position to actually spend any time with them. And, of course, then if you look at that from the point of view of the new hire, they come in and, oh, nobody's, nobody's got time for me or the important people haven't got time for me. So it's, it's a really bad start. Yeah, it's, it, 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 happens, it happens too often. Um, and, you know, I hear, I, you know, I, if you... Yeah, if you listen to you know the numerous podcasts and numerous articles and content pieces, you know everyone says very much about the uh, you know our, our, our staff are our biggest asset. Well, let's change the culture a little bit and actually let's make <laughs> let's actually let's not talk about it. Let's actually do it a little bit better. Let's, I say I'm, yeah, I, there's lot, I, I know a lot behave, of people who yeah, do a great job, like but I I just do believe that um, particularly I mean my my I say area of expertise in sales onboarding is that. Um, we could do a hell of a lot better than, than than we do more often than not, and 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 it's just, and I think this that you know this there's the there's the emotional cultural connection with the organisation, um, but it can go pretty stale. We all know it can go pretty stale and pretty pretty useless, you know, pretty pretty poor quite quickly when somebody's made their mind up and they're not getting the support. They're just going to go, and and worse worse still is as I said before is is that we. And, and, and I'm going to be critical of certain sales leaders and sales directors. We, we kind of, we, we write those costs off 
as a cost of running a sales function. You know, and, and you might have a business that, that might have turned over 10 or 10 or 15 sales resources in a year. You know, and if you, if you don't, depending on the size of the sales team, but if you don't, if you, if you cut that down by 50%, you know, by better onboarding and better induction processes and better knowledge storage uh, when those people come online, you're not only, you've, not only you're, you're de-risking your investment in the people, but you're also rapidly reducing your, your ramp up period of time. So that the period of time when they can be productive uh, is, is significantly less. So if we go back to that nine or 10 month window, if we were able to onboard basically for free, so we're not paying any salary for D minus 30, we're not paying anything for that. Yeah, so we, if we're buying a month, we're buying a month early, but we're also able to possibly, by doing it, buy ourselves another two or three months worth of reducing that period of time of the ramp up, then, you know, that's a quarter, you know, and that doesn't necessarily, there's, there's not just a cost assigned to that, but there's also a significant opportunity cost there by not having the people ready, ready and prepared mm. to actually to, to, to sell and promote the products and services. And on top of that, I think with companies like that, that's where they might be at the top end of the statistical distribution of that, where that 19 months is in the medium. So they're probably going to hang on to their salespeople on average for, for much longer than that 19 months because not only that onboarding, I'm imagining if they're really that good about the onboarding, then the whole culture is is very positive and there's a whole lot of other things that happen after somebody starts that that contribute to that same culture. Well, everyone, that's the other benefit of having a playbook. Everyone knows what the rules and the expectations are. So it's the bar, it's the expectation bar and the standards that we operate to. Hmm. So it's almost like a standard operating procedure for sales. Um, and if you don't yeah. have that, then we have, we've just got that ambiguity. And, um, and, it, and, and then when somebody, you know, it's, it's, oh, they're not here anymore. Oh, that was a bit harsh, wasn't it? Or what took you so long? You know, those are, we have those sorts of conversations, but it's all it's mm. all out for it's all out. You know, the, the clearer things are, the clearer the pathway, and this also goes for um, for uh, for promotion as well. You know, when somebody comes into a let's just say somebody comes into a junior sales role, they don't want to be a junior sales role. They want to be in a junior sales role forever. You know, they want to progress and they want to see what progression looks like. And so what's really, really equally important is, is, is showing somebody what the runway looks like. You know, if you do really, really well here, this is where you go. And if you do really, really well there, then you go up here. And if you do really, really well there, that's what, that's what it looks like moving forward. And um, so, so providing not only the onboarding, but also the runway as to, uh, to develop. Now granted, that's a little bit more difficult in a smaller organization. But in a larger mm. organisation, it should be a lot. We should be able to be a lot clearer on um, on on what that 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 roadmap looks like. Yeah, that's right. But paradoxically, I think you know my experience has been in the larger organisations that they do that even less. There might be so there might be a kind of secret cabal, if you like, that that gets that kind of treatment, but most people don't. No, no. No, very much, very, um, I see it very rare. I mean, we, um, I was, uh, 
speaking for a group over in the UK and over it was uh, during 2019 uh, so during the, the 2019 I did some I can't remember what it, I think there was about 21 workshops that I hosted that were mostly uh, not hosted that I was asked to speak at there were mostly sort of CEO uh, networking groups sort of you know 15 16 people in the room stuff and um, and I asked about you know we asked I got the same usual sales challenges that salespeople are rubbish we don't close on all, all the usual things that I expect to hear. Um, but I actually asked and I as I said before I said well what's in the playbook and um, and and believe it or not the ninety seven percent that year of twenty nineteen when before COVID when we when I was out and about doing doing more and more of these workshops so um, you know ninety seven percent said that they didn't have anything fully documented from a sales onboarding or a sales playbook approach. So, and there were, th there were 3%, there were 3%, which didn't equate to a large volume. Um, and I said, fantastic, well done. I said, could you send me a copy of, I'd love to see a copy of what you use. Uh, and I received two copies of things, you know, of, of and, and granted they were, they were a lot better than, 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 than some. Um, but uh, yeah, there was a lot that you know. There's a, just unfortunately, still a lot of a lot of organisations, particularly when it comes to sales, uh, we just don't we don't prepare people well enough. And as I say, I, I stand by. I think we set people up to fail as opposed to succeed. Hmm. All right. So one of the things that you have as a business is called Sales Enabler, and. Uh, it's software, if I understand correctly, it's SaaS software that has best practice sales playbooks and tools and resources all embedded within it. So tell me a little bit more about that. Is that something that's generic or is that something that's a framework where businesses can customize their own or work with you to customize it? How does it work? Yeah, so, so I reflected on these 120 or so clients that we've worked on, worked with. And, um, and one of the things I looked at is like, what do we actually do for these companies? And, um, and going back to it, a lot of it is that whole consistency approach side of things where um, that consistency of approach and structure and, and all the things that I talked about in the old life insurance ring binder. So, um, and a, so a vast majority of those clients that we work with on the consulting, um, this is what we did for them. So um, anyway, a couple of years ago, I started sketching out, well, you know, could we automate a load of things? So ultimately what Sales Enabler is, it's a digital sales playbook, which is, it's very much a, a platform environment. So it allows, you know, we've put a whole, a whole heap of suggestions. The latest version's got temp, some of our consulting templates in there. Uh, we've got, um, you know, we can create, you know, best practice libraries. Uh, and plays. So what happens within the state? And and everything, everything is customizable so that, um, as I say, a client or a user of Sales Enabler can basically build the best version of them. And then obviously we share that across, share that across the piece. You know, things, if there's new case studies or examples, they get inserted as well. And so everyone's, everyone's got the information at their fingertips. And that's, so that's the essence of Sales Enabler. Um, you know, we, we obviously provide support and coaching and consulting around that if we need to but we also have some clients that um we have some clients that, that just pick it up and run with it um and just do everything themselves completely self-service which is great um they're typically the ones that are you know properly invested in 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 their sales function because they they see the value of enablement 
Hmm. Um, and then we've also got some sales consultants that are other, you know, outside of our business, independent sales consultants that use Sales Enabler as their as the reinforcement tool for their coaching and their 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 coaching and training that they provide to their clients as well. So a, a, a myriad, but it's, ultimately it's 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 not you know people say it's like CRM and it's like no, it's very much about the best practice. Um, and, and instilling best practice, mm. and then then also, I mean, we do we can connect to CRM systems. So it, 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 in that instance, it kind of acts as a uh, an aid memoir sort of thing for the uh, for the sales resources when they're at a certain part of a sales deal or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a brilliant resource, and it highlights that for those people that don't necessarily have a playbook and think, well, building something like this in today's day and age where it needs to be online it needs to be perhaps mobile friendly so the salesperson out on a call can just jump on on their mobile phone and perhaps look something up very quickly um they don't have to build it from scratch there's something yeah and the, other, the other thing is 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 um and again i mean i'm working with working with a couple of organizations and they're you know they're in the fintech space and um some of these people haven't had a you know a thoroughbred sales background so it's mm. it's 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 very very time consuming to build something uh to develop a playbook or something like that if if it's very time consuming if you've got a day job as in you've got to run a sales team or anything else like that so it's very time but it's even worse it's even worse because you know, quite a lot of organizations you know and i'm a great believer in the fact that you don't know what you don't know <laughs> So, um, so that, that, you know, what we, what we do is we've got a lot of kind of spoon fed information there that prompts people to come up with, start thinking a little bit more about what the best version of them actually looks like. Hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, Matt, I, this has been wonderful. I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round of five questions, same five that I asked of every guest and the idea is that you'll inspire the listener to go and do something awesome take some action today as a result wow are you ready <laughs> yeah let's try it <laughs> all right what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative try things try things and don't be don't be scared don't be scared to fail just don't be scared mm. to fail. Run experiments, yeah. Don't be scared. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, I like the idea. I kind of reframe this in the idea of running an, ex an experiment. So there's no failure in an experiment. There's possibly a result that wasn't what you expected, in which case you ask yourself, what did you learn from that? Yeah, totally, totally. Just, um, you know, we're... Uh Life's a journey, and uh, we never get it right straight away. So uh, yeah, no, don't don't be scared. Don't be scared, and don't listen to the naysayers. But don't be scared to fail. Excellent. All right, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, I never used to be much of a reader, and I made a conscious. I started. Um, I started. <laughs> I started um, naively penning a few thoughts. A couple of people have said to me before on my sales journey, my business journey, they said to me, Matt, you ought, you ought to write a book. 
And then I started penning a load of thoughts. <laughs> this was probably about five, six years ago. And, um, and they were just scribblings and scribblings and scribblings. And then I, I actually, I was, I had this thought, this, this, this something came to me one day and it's like, do you know what? You're not qualified to do this writing a book type stuff because you don't consume enough of other people's quality content. So um, for the last five, six years, I've been, a, I've been an avid reader and consumer of, 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 of information. Um, you know, some of it, some of it self-development, some of it sales, some of it business, um, some of it completely left field um, and sporting. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the biggest thing that me is I've, I've started consuming a lot more of other people's content. Hmm. Hmm. And of course, you have written a couple of books since you first started penning those ideas, right? Yeah. So, um, so the first one was a bit of a uh, the first one was was the the culmination of the scribblings, <laughs> which was a little bit of a journey about my stumbling <laughs> into sales and actually the importance of of um, of, uh, of of having sales and structure. That book's called Learning the Ropes. Um, and the second book, as I said, which was got me, it started with a few frustrations about onboarding. The second book's called uh, Why So Many Sales Hires Fail. Mm. Excellent. And we'll include uh, links to those two books, obviously, in the show notes as well. Now, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Resource um, for professionally or, or just go, a, a go-to for resource? whatever. Um, yeah. I don't have a, I don't think I've got a single resource. I've, I've, um, somebody, somebody, somebody came up with an idea once, um, about, probably about 10 years ago, that we ought to, in the same way that a business has, uh, has, a some non-execs, um, that we ought to have some life, um, some life, a, 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 a network. So I, I, I've got three or four people in my life who um, I, they're my kind of go-tos. And um, mm -hmm. I kind of, they're, my, they're like my own, they're like my own private board, if that makes sense. But they're not a board. They're just, they're, they're people that I, I respect a lot. I value their input. Um, there's no, um, there's no, um, there's no commercials on that, or as one of them's got some commercials, um, but they're just genuinely people that I know have got my best interest at heart. Now I generally buy the coffees or the lunch because I, you know, and, and so once a quarter or something like that, I just, you know, each of those people, I, I, uh, I try and pick their brains as much as anything else as well. And and so so not a single not a single resource, um, but I'm mm. very fortunate and and very open minded as well actually. Um, to uh, to try and get other people's other people's wisdom because it's it's I feel it's hard enough it's a hard enough journey that we're all on as it is without getting without um, without you know without limiting ourselves to uh, to reaching out to people. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess the my virtual board I, I will call it. Yeah, I guess that philosophy of that human connection. It certainly underpins a lot of what we've talked about today in terms of um, the sales and the process around sales. Is it's not just a mechanical robot going through the motions. It's there's that human connection 
um, there and, and you're certainly bringing that in here. Yes. Now, the next one we may have already covered, but what's the best way to keep a client on track? On a client on track, um, I think... I think um, one of the, something I guess something I, I heard in a uh, in a in a sales meeting about 15 20 years ago and I use it quite regularly myself is um, is when somebody says uh, when you're trying to understand exactly what somebody's looking for and uh, and they said and I they said they said like so um, so Jurgen if you could close your eyes and just describe to me what your definition of success looks and feels like. Okay, if you could just close your eyes and tell me that, then that would be really, really helpful for me. Um, so it's it's something I use very regularly with clients. It's like if you can close your eyes and tell me what you, not only what it looks like, but also what it feels, yeah, it feels like. like. Yeah then I can not only get the functional element of it as well, but I can get the emotional element of it as well. And and then then when it comes to, you know, it's like, well, this is what you said uh, in terms of keeping the client on track. This is what you said you wanted, and this is what you said you wanted to feel. Um, and I, look, we can always change our minds. That's absolutely fine. But this is where we started from, okay? Mm. This is where, so we started with you saying that, that gave us an, an indication of what success looked and felt like. So we're hopefully somewhere on that journey. And it's, it's, a, it's a benchmark as well that we can always come back to. Hmm. Yeah, great question. I love it. All right. Now, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Stay in your swim lane. So, so do what you're good at. Just, just I think, mm. try and do what you're really good at, um, and um, and and be yourself. I think far too I'm I've been guilty. I'm 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 still guilty of 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 dipping into things that a little bit half-heartedly, or dipping into some things because I think I've got an opinion. But I'm not an absolute expert, um, and I think what one of the things that 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 I've done, particularly actually, uh, uh, we've had, we've all had some in, enforced lockdown stuff, um, is actually focus on what you're re genuinely really really good at, and try not to stray too far from that, um, and um, and yeah, mm. just 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 be as as good as you possibly can, uh, and the other thing is is. Don't go, don't go forcing the issue. Sometimes as well. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to, you've got to, you've got to be a little bit patient. And um, and somebody once described to me that you know it's a bit like sitting on a pond. If you sit on the side of a pond and just chuck out some good, if you chuck a stone into the pond, but it's good quality stuff, it's good quality content. If you chuck a stone out into the pond, every now and then you're going to get a ripple back. And sometimes you're going to get a ripple back when you're not expecting it. So um, so stick to your knitting. Yeah. Stick to what you're good at. And I'd say give out, try and give out the best version of you as much as you can. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Great metaphor too. <laughs> yeah.
sometimes it takes, depending how far you throw, it takes a while for the ripples to come back. Definitely. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you and the work you do and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Uh, yeah. So um, the, we've got a website, uh, Sales Enabler. I know, you, I know you said earlier on you, you highlighted the enabler. It's spelt S-A-L-E-S-E-N-A-B-L-A.com. Salesenabler.com. Um I am simply Matt with two T's at salesenabler.com. Um, I've got a Twitter handle which I haven't used much lately. Is uh, Mr. Matt Garman. Um, so yeah, those are those are the those are the best best ways of getting in contact with me. Excellent, and we'll post those in the show notes too. So, do you have some parting advice you'd like to leave the listener today? Something that they can immediately turn into an action from today's conversation? I just, you know, I, I, I do believe that, I do believe that life's a journey. We're, none of us are here forever. So give the best version of yourself as much as you possibly can. Um, Give more than you take in whatever you do. I think um, that's something I try and I try and stick to. So give more than you take, um, and just don't be scared. Just go in there, have a crack, and you know if it if it doesn't work out, then then it doesn't work out, you know. But um, yeah, don't be scared. Just try it. I say to the children, you know, we 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 um, far too often my children my ch- children in their early teens and sometimes they're a little bit fussy when it comes or they have been in the past a bit a bit fussy when it comes to food and they go dad dad i don't like it and it's like you haven't tried it <laughs> so um yeah 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 but i don't it's like well you cannot tell me and and my one of my things with the children is feel taste touch smell as many things as you can in life and there are going to be some things you like and there's going to be some things you don't like. But until you've tried it, you can't pass comments. So just go, yeah. and, go and have a go at as many things as you possibly can. <laughs> Love it. And that's a great analogy as well. And I can relate to that uh, from my days of raising children, which are behind me now. So I'm, I've survived all that. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right, finally, Matt, who else should I bring on the show and why? There's a guy I do some work with who's, a, who's an incredible explorer, a chap called Neil Lawton. And he's, um, he has, he's, well, I don't know what he hasn't done, to be honest with you. I think he's got about six or seven Guinness <laughs> World Records. Um, he's summited Everest. He's paddleboarded around um, Easter Island. Uh, Elephant Island, I think. Um, he's a, he's a, uh, and, and, and he's great company. So he's, he's, uh, he's a great guy. Um, there's a, there's a, a friend of mine who I've been fishing with, a gentleman called John Creamer. And John is an expert on reading people. And, uh, he's <laughs> very, very good company. So, um, he, he, he would be a very, very good, uh, very, very good, uh, interview. Um, yeah, those two, those two would be quite interesting characters. Excellent. Maybe we well, can talk, John maybe, and maybe Matt. talk about that offline uh, or yeah. separately. 
Yeah, we'll see if we can bring those on the show. And it reminded me that um, you've got a big adventure coming up as well, uh, rowing across the Atlantic later in the year. <laughs> yeah, so when I, I probably say... I, leave I, that for people to read about him. Yeah, probably, uh, I, I, again, I, I'm my wife complains about it. It's like, you, you know, you said you like to feel, taste, touch, smell as many things as you can in life. It's like... <laughs> Surely, at some stage, that uh, we can refrain from doing the crazy stuff. But no, I've done outside. I've done some sporty <laughs> challenges, the Ironman and the Channel Swim and bits and pieces. But my current my current project is uh, I've put a team of uh, I've put a team of three dads together, and uh, and we're rowing across the Atlantic Ocean in December of this year. So uh, the team's called uh, Ocean Dad Venture. And, uh, and we've got a website for that as well, which is www.oceandadventure.com. So uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a crazy thing that we think. We, we think we can get across the Atlantic in about a month and a half. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that sounds exciting. So thanks so much, Matt, for sharing your insights on sales with us today and sharing that little gem with us at the end there. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation learned quite a bit about how you approach the sales and this idea of the D minus 30 is just brilliant. I think if people take that away and implement it in their business, then that's, um, that's been worth spending the time here and listening to this episode, just, just that one little takeaway. So thanks again, really appreciate it. Please do stay in touch. And if we don't talk beforehand, I'm sure we will, but just in case, all the best for that Atlantic crossing. Thank you very much. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me to be along. That's great. It's been good fun. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and engaging conversation with Matt and took something away from his episode. So ask yourself, what does success look and feel like for me? Write it down. Keep adding to it, just like a journal. Then, as you reflect on your writings and your journal, think about Matt's parting advice. Give the best version of yourself as much as you can. Give more than you take and have the courage to try things. Keep reflecting back on that journal. How does that look and feel like compared to your definition of success. Matt's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Matt Garman. That is M-A-T-T-G-A-R-M-A-N, all lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Matt Garman. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Matt, as well as links to his website, the Sales Enabler website, his social media pages, his book, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you've listened this far into the show and you've listened to other shows, you know the drill by now. If you love this conversation and you think it'd be useful for one other person, then go and share it with that person. You're doing them a favor. And, of course, we've published 
something like 520 odd other episodes. So there's got to be at least one more there that you haven't listened to yet. That's going to be equally as valuable to you as this episode and equally as valuable to somebody else who you can share it with. So pick your favorite number or take a 30 second glance through the past episodes and between now and our next published episode, listen to one more. And then send me a note on LinkedIn about which episode you picked, why you picked it, and most importantly, what your biggest takeaway was and what action you took as a result of that conversation. Matt suggested that we have a conversation with Neil Lawton and John Creamer, experts in reading people on a future Enough of Us podcast episode. So Neil and John, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the Enough of Us podcast, courtesy of Matt Garman. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to InnovaBuzz.co forward slash Flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember... Be awesome and keep innovating.